Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beat show. I'm Mike Griffith. Uh, I am at Hoover, in Hoover, uh, reporting from the SEC kickoff event, SEC media days, whatever you want to call it. You can tell I got some uh, hotel room action working here tonight. Uh, it's been a busy day. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm tired. There's been a lot going on. There's been a lot of news. It's been a busy time. And uh, let's get right to it. If you've got questions, hit me up. Uh, no guests tonight. Just going to come at you straight and and just, you know, give you real talk about what's going on here. And I guess I'll start with, with kind of how my day started. You know, you wake up and you kind of check it out. You know that Greg Sankey's going to talk. You know, Mullen's going today. Uh, Shane Beamer's going today. Ed Ordron. Okay, that's later. First thing I do is check the wires. Let's see what kind of news is out there, right? So the USA Today Network, which is the largest newspaper group in the country, did it preseason all sec team and i'm thinking okay this is cool i'm gonna see what georgia guys made preseason all sec and 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 i'll do a write-up on that you know here we go i mean now we're gonna vote on it here in this birmingham hoover whatever you want to call it area we're gonna have the writers here vote on it they'll be out later this week but you know usa today has got a lot of a lot of newspapers a lot of well-respected guys looking down the first team offense i don't see anybody from georgia oh what wait wow that's wild usually you know, maybe JT, maybe not. Okay. Maybe, you know, Jamari Salyer, though, you usually see him on it. I'm going, okay, Jamari Salyer. Okay, no, no Jamari Salyer on it. Okay, receiver-wise, eh, okay. You know, Eric Gilbert's good, but hasn't done it here yet. Uh, Jermaine Burton's still unproven. I, I get this, right? George Pickens is out. Okay, all right. So nobody made on. All right, let's look on the defense. Nobody on the defense? All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No Jordan Davis, first team All SEC. Nope. No Lewis Seen. Nope. Nicobe Dean. Uh uh. Nobody from Georgia on offense or defense preseason All SEC. That blew me away. Now, Jake Camarda made it as the punter. That's it. And yet, Georgia's picked to win the East. And I'm thinking, man, Kirby Smart must be a heck of a coach if he's going to win the East Division. Doesn't have any first team All SEC players, right? So uh, so that that was an eye-opener, and, and I talked with Buck Ballou about that today. I said, Buck, what is the deal? I said, you know, Georgia, for all the talent that Georgia has, they really seem short-shrifted when it comes to these kind of teams and recognition. He said, Mike, it's, it's, it's getting over the hump. It's, you know, it's every year you hear that Georgia it could be the team. Listen, Cody Ledoux doesn't know who Lewis Seen is. Hey, Cody, uh, ask Kyle Pitts who Lewis Seen is. Uh, he's probably one of the top two or three corners in the country this year, or excuse me, safeties in the country this year. Um, but, you know, every year people say, hey, we hear so much about Georgia, and yet they, they don't finish, right? They can't get past Alabama, or last year the game against Florida, or the year before they lose to South Carolina. Uh, and, and so there's doubters, right? And, and for all the recruiting talent and the five stars, and, and even the guys now that Georgia's putting in the NFL, at the end of the day, uh, people are still doubting. And, and there's only one way to answer it. And, and listen, Georgia, you know, they don't need any more of a chip on the shoulder. Look, these guys work hard. They're all here to win a championship. And whether or not anybody makes first team all SEC, I don't know. Is it a little bit of an extra push? I, I think it's an eye opener. You know, you live in Athens and you're a Georgia player and you walk around in a small town and all you hear is how great you are. Everybody patting you on the back. And then you land in Hoover, Alabama, and you're you're just you're another team, right? And you know people are saying you know like like uh, like Cody Ledoux, the the Alabama fan, says who's Lewis Seen? Like I mean that seems crazy to anybody that follows Georgia. Like you don't know who Lewis Seen is, but but you know what? That tells you something, right? Georgia has a lot of guys that, that still haven't made a name for themselves. So this is going to be really interesting, um, really interesting to see what happens. Uh, tomorrow, right? Kirby Smart gets here tomorrow. We'll talk about uh, George uh, that tomorrow. I want to get to today's news. Um, and back to that team, though. You know, Cade Mays made All SEC. Brenton Cox. It, it's almost like that the team was trolling Georgia. Like, yeah, you don't have anybody that's All SEC, but but Cade Mays and Brenton Cox says yes. Connor Riley. Cade Mays was voted All SEC. Uh, by the USA Today Network. I, I thought the same thing. Um, and Brenton Cox, too, for that matter. I'm like, come on, man. 
But, uh, you know, it's, we'll see who the media here votes. I half think that JT might get it here. It depends on when they vote. Are they going to vote after JT talks or before? Because once JT talks tomorrow, that's going to be a game changer. That's going to be a game changer. People are going to go, oh, this is this is JT Daniels. Now, the first guy that spoke today, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Water went down wrong. <coughs> oh, I promise that's all it is. The first guy that spoke today was Greg Sankey. And, uh, you know, we kind of figured that Sankey would come out strong on the vaccine issue because you don't want to have uh, any um, any games canceled, right? The Big 12 came out and said, hey, no cancellations. So, hey, everybody, get your act together. Um, you know, I, I would have wanted to see, you know, last year's Vanderbilt game be counted as a forfeit so that the Georgia guys could have had the record, the outgoing seniors – we're going to be the winningest class ever, but the George, the Vanderbilt game is considered a no contest instead of a forfeit. Well, this year it's going to be different. Um, so the first thing Sankey said was that only six out of the 14 SEC football teams have reached that limit of 80% of the players being vaccinated. Apparently 80% is kind of the magic number in terms of how many guys you need to have vaccinated to, to have that whole herd immunity thing going. It's only six of the 14 teams. I don't know this, but I I would guess George is one of those teams. Now, Mullen said he's not going to divulge the numbers, but then he said we're close to the threshold, which indicates to me Florida's not one of the teams. Uh, Orgeron wouldn't comment, which indicates LSU's probably not one of the teams. You know, when coaches aren't transparent, I think it's kind of telling. I think if you are one of the teams, oh, yeah, we're one of the teams. we got 8%. I'll be interested to see if Kirby says anything about that tomorrow. Only six of the 14 teams. Uh, so that was one big takeaway is that Sankey's pushing for vaccinations because he doesn't want teams to have to forfeit. Uh, Sankey also pushing for federal legislation on NIL. I mean, there are some questions about NIL uh, from one state to another. For example, does the NIL law from the kid's home state where he's from apply or the one where the school is at, Right. So that's one reason why you want everybody on the same page, but you also want to keep that that level playing field. So that was something else that Commissioner Sankey talked about. He also mentioned the portal. You know, the portal was everybody's great idea for kids going other places and and yada yada yada. Uh, but more than right now, I guess there's more than eleven thousand players, all sports. Thirteen thousand kids went in the portal. There's still more than eleven thousand that are in the portal. You go in, you don't come out. I mean, everybody thought, oh, you go in and you go. So, no, no, you, you just disappear. Other, maybe other schools don't want you. Hey, we don't want you, right? It, it's not. It's the exception to the, most people don't come back out. That Those numbers were staggering. And, and then, of course, as I mentioned, the forfeit situation. Uh, there'll be no forfeits next year. So that was kind of the, the four-pronged thing from, from Commissioner Greg Sankey today during his presentation. I thought that was pretty interesting. I want to stop now. And uh, take some questions. I see John Paul Williams. Can George's O-line pull it together for that first game and protect JT Daniels enough to get a win? You know, that's a great question. You know, Clemson led the nation in sacks last year. And certainly they're going to be coming after JT. The way you play JT is to blitz him, right? You don't sit back in coverage because he can pick you apart. There's going to be pressure. They're going to mix it up. Uh, you're not going to know what, what Venables is doing. He's now the highest paid coordinator in the nation. It's going to be a challenge, and, you know, as you say, it's Clemson, and it's the first game of the season. If Clemson was game three or game four, I think this would be a really easy pick. But with this being game one and the fact that Georgia still has a question mark at left tackle, I really wonder. I see Sam's asking me about concession stands for the fans. I, I would imagine so, right? They may be different. Everything may be electronic now. I remember talking to Josh Brooks last year about this and everything was going to be electronic and kind of hands-free. You know, my guess is that some of that technology uh, will probably be in place. Uh, you're asking me about the walk, uh, dog walk. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just not sure. I don't know that that's been answered. I think that is a good question, though. Um, you know, under the circumstances, ask yourself this. If you're Georgia, 
would you want your guys walking through fans, some vaccinated, some maybe not? I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I'm just not sure. You know, the vaccination topic, it's kind of divisive, right? Because there's a lot of people that say, you know, hey, don't tell me what to do. Hey, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you that if you're not vaccinated, you're not going to get to stand there and shake players' hands, right? Well, how do you prove that? You know, and then you get into the, do you carry the vaccination card and get back into rights again? And I'm just not sure, you know, I'm not sure how far rights versus public health in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, this is tough. This is unprecedented. So I don't really have the answers, but because this is up in the air, uh, you know, if, if I'm a coach, I'm going to take every precaution that I'm not going to expose my players any more than I have to, not just to fans, but to media, right? I want to know that every media guy that's sitting in a room with the players they're interviewing has been vaccinated if I'm a coach or can prove they had COVID-19 antibodies. Although you hear the news today and they're saying, oh, the Delta variant, you know, you can get that even if you've had COVID. Again, getting way too political, but you're asking questions and this is the deep dive you got to talk to try to answer it. So there's that. Uh, you can't hate but help the recruiting news. Uh, but with a natty or at a minimum college final four, we should get a swell or am I crazy? You know, honestly, I, I don't think that really plays as big a deal into it as you might think. I think it's more about players seeing where they have an opportunity to play right away at a school that competes for championships uh, at a place that develops you. Right. I, I think, yeah, you know, you want to be at a program that's capable of winning. But I don't think if you win a national championship, everybody goes, oh, yeah, we're all on board. Listen, George is a Nash, an annual national championship contender. That's not going to change based on the outcome of this year or last year or the next year. As long as Kirby's here, as long as the facilities, as long as there's the momentum, um, it, it's going to be about let me take a look at the roster. Let me see how my relationship feels with these coaches. Let me take a look at the roster and see where I might fit in and, and, and you know, how soon I might be able to play. Uh, let me find out how they've developed players at a certain position. You know, those are the kind of primary questions uh, that a lot of guys ask, you know, or, you know, and, and for some guys, there's, you know, they're, they're so good. They doesn't matter where I go. I think I'm going to play. Okay. But, but that's the exception of the rule. The player I would want to have an interview with the most clay wants to know. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'll, I'll take that question to be a little self-serving. So you guys saw we did the uh, interviews with uh, Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh on KM Squared, the new show on Dog Nation that debuted last night. If you haven't seen it, uh, Kendall and Kenny did a really nice job with it. Um, you know, these are two young men that have an interest in, in pursuing uh, media careers or being spokespeople for brands. And, and we wanted to give them an opportunity. And they're two guys that, you know, I have a lot of interest in as a beat guy. I think these are two really special running backs. Okay. So the on the field product is amazing, but I also know that the off the field product is really interesting with both of these players. Uh, you know, I, I think you'll like them. I think you'll, you'll get to know them. I'm glad that, you know, the parents are excited that they have this opportunity to work with a professional organization. Uh, Connor Riley, of course, does the, the production for that. You guys already know Connor does so much behind the scenes and you watch his show on Tuesday nights and you see all the neat stuff that he does with it. And he's helping out with this show. So this has got some cool components. Um, the players I want to talk to though, I, I, I'm eager to hear what JT's got to say tomorrow. Um, you know, JT's an intriguing guy, uh, I think, from the start, right? That first interview when he said something to the effect of, you know, if you've got George Pickens, don't recruit him if you're not going to throw to I mean, that was kind of a wow moment for me. And, you know, JT's going to say something. I mean, he doesn't look to be controversial, but he answers questions without regard to whether it's controversial. He's just going to answer the question. That's just who JT is. He's, a, he's an ultra-confident guy. He's not cocky, but he's confident. And some people may be rubbed wrong by that confidence, right? Maybe you're supposed to do the, oh, shucks, humble me. But, you know, JT's just a guy. He's a football guy. And I like what he says when he says, I only know what I know, right? I, I like people because I, I think that's really smart. The most important thing is to know what you don't know. And the fact that JT says, I only know what I know, pretty much acknowledges that, hey, I, I'm, I'm a football player quarterback. I know my quarterback stuff. I know my team. But there's going to be some things he tell you, I have no idea. Uh, I see Wally Jenkins asking, can you beat uh, Dan Mullen by 30? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm not necessarily running right out and predicting that. Um, but sure, it's possible. Uh, coming in late, what UGA players? Uh, so they'll come tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be JT Daniels, uh, William, and Jordan Davis will be the two representatives. You know, they used to bring three. I want to say the last time they brought J.R. Reed, Andrew Thomas, and Jake Fromm. We didn't have one last year. Um, glad that James liked the KM Squared show. Uh, I, I got to tell you, that, that's just who Kenny and Kendall are. And, you know, they, they are really charming, likable guys. Uh, they're very good representatives for Georgia, for their families. And uh, and that's what makes that show fun, right? You know, some stuff that, that's out there, I got to tell you, I think there's a right and a wrong way because we've had the conversation about NIL and players doing it. I said, listen, interviews have always been paid for. All right. They've always been paid for. ESPN buys the rights. Right. And then they go in there and do exclusives and show you. Right. And, and IMG, the licensing agency, buys the rights to Georgia and, and does the Saturday tailgate show. WSB does a great job with that. Or you'll hear some radio interviews of the Kirby Smart show. Right. So the interviews have always been paid for. The only difference now is that the players get the money instead of the school getting the money. And that's kind of what NIL is all about. Right. It's like jersey sales. Eventually, these players are going to get the money for that, too. I think I'm, I think I'm seeing that's already happening at Michigan. So uh, it, it's interesting that some people are like, oh, no, no, no. It's like, well, no, wait a minute. You know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You wanted NIL. You wanted players to be able to benefit from their skills, from their images, from their likenesses, from their ability to talk or do interviews. Now it's happening, and, and now you're freaking out. Uh, we're not going back, right? So I talked to the SEC about it yesterday. He said, this is ironic. This is ironic. You know, some of these, you know, companies are, you know, complaining about, you know, it's like these are the same companies that said they wanted it done. So uh, I appreciate the, the compliment, James. You'll see more of that next Sunday night. Um, the second edition of KM Squared will be on. Uh, Ray John, why wouldn't Jordan Davis make first team? I, I Maybe the injury. You know, last year, remember, Jordan got injured in that Kentucky game and we didn't really see him again. I'm trying to think how much did he play against Cincinnati? I'm trying to – he, he was in the game, right? We did see him with the elbow break. But he missed that Florida game. And after Georgia lost to Florida, the schedule really dropped off. Remember, they played like three bad teams, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and they were supposed to play Vanderbilt. You know, teams that nobody – in, in Missouri was who they played. Nobody's watching those games. And, and Jordan was out. So, you know, once Jordan didn't play against Florida and, and they lost to Florida, I think that really hurt. And I think people just kind of forgot about him. I, I just think they forgot. I know it's crazy to think that, but, you know, like Buck Ballou saying, you know, everybody thinks Alabama first and even Texas A&M, you know, both Alabama and Texas A&M had four guys make first team all SEC. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so uh, Patrick, appreciate the compliment on KM too. I know Kendall and Kenny appreciate it as well. I know their families are proud of them. Uh, you know, Dog Nation, we feel good about the guys that, that we picked and, and the way they're doing the show, and hopefully this helps them. And I think every week you'll see them get better, right? I, I already told them, I said, look, the only person who's going to get criticized is me. I got to get better. I'm, I'm the square, right? You got the two KMs, and I guess I'm the square. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, it's just fun to, you know, to interject and uh, to try to lead that along. And, again, Connor Riley helps me out with that quite a bit. Uh, Zenti wants to know, will Kirby let Todd Munkin put teams away when we have leads late in the games? Uh, yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, uh, you know, th this is what Georgia is and this is who they are now. And, you know, I had an interesting discussion with my Zoom group last week about this because there's always an inclination to, you know, play the backup, get him out there, get him some experience. Oh, hurry, hurry. Listen. JT's only played four games. You need JT to get as much work and as much timing and chemistry with these receivers as possible the first half of the season. I'm not saying you leave them in there when it's 60 to zero and there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter, but you got to let them throw it. You got to let them air it out. And there's nothing like game reps. You just can't, as hard as Kirby tries, you can't replicate it. It's different playing behind those closed doors. Uh, Jacob O'Neill is asking me tonight where the green tea is. You know what? The Starbucks here is closed. And there was only one green tea in the room, and I drank it earlier. So it's just water tonight. So cheers.
keeping it simple, keeping it straight, keeping it raw. We got a raw show from the Winfrey. So much other stuff going on uh, with Georgia going tomorrow. Uh, I've got a lot to prepare for tomorrow. There's going to be so much on dognation.com. There's already a lot on there today. Uh, obviously, Brandon Adams had a, had a podcast as well today, but so much to do, so much to talk about. Uh, Dan Mullen went today from Florida, and I thought Coach Mullen's presentation was fine. I know people like to, you know, make fun of Dan or that look to, you know, create controversy with him because he has some personality to him. And he's had some moments, and let's face it, the last year there were some peculiar moments. I mean, going to the press conference with the Darth Vader mask and, you know, going back out on the field after the brawl with Missouri and kind of exalting the fans to cheer, get louder was kind of a, you know, those were, you know, you know, we find out about the show cause. You know, there were there were some things, you know, about Dan Mullen that kind of made you scratch your head and go, hmm, this is interesting. You know, but look, he's a great offensive coach. Uh, you know, Florida, in his up in his words, he said that Florida had a great season last year. You know, they were eight and four. You know, I don't know how the Florida fans feel about that. So I wrote a story. It's up on Dog Nation about Dan Mullen's comments. Uh, you know, they play Alabama this season. You know, that's going to be a tough game September 18th in Gainesville. First time in 10 years that Bama has played uh, Florida in Florida. It's Emory Jones, the guy. He's a fourth-year guy. You know, I looked at his numbers, and he hasn't really had a, a big number game since he played Idaho like three years ago in 20, 2018. So I've got questions. Now, Mullen said he had confidence in him. You know, Mullen also spoke about, you know, don't put a square peg in a round hole and finding a quarterback that fits the system. But he said he doesn't know the system yet because he's still learning the players. I mean, Florida lost a lot. They, they lost 60% of their – production in the receiving core and and Kyle Pitts was was an incredible player we saw that uh you know Kadarius Tony was another incredible player and Kyle Trask was a, a Heisman <laughs> Heisman Trophy finalist and he's gone so uh, Clarence Dawson is calling me out saying that because it's not green tea that it'll be calm listen it doesn't have to do with the green tea I promise it just simply has to do with a lot going on I've got more to write tonight uh, you know, again, can't wait for y'all to read tomorrow's dognation.com. Uh, and then I've got questions. I've got questions for Kirby Smart tomorrow. And I don't know that I'm going to get him answered. I want to know who the left tackle is going to be. I, I, I don't know. Typically, when you say there's a lot of competition, you say, well, that's a good problem to have. I don't know if it's a good problem that we don't know who the left tackle is going into fall drills. You know, I, I kind of like no problem with Andrew Thomas there. I thought that was like to me. That's that's a. I'd rather have no problem than a good problem, right? And, and so I've got a question. Um, you know, Xavier Trust. Do I believe in Xavier Trust as the left tackle? I've got questions. I've got questions. Broderick Jones. I don't hear his name enough. I thought we would hear his name by now. He was a five star. What's happened? Uh, the competition is thick, but still, I hear a lot about Marius Mims. A lot about Amarius Mims. But is Amarius Mims ready for a game like Clemson? Probably not. Do you put Jamari Salyer out there? He played there last year. He was adequate, but Jamari's truly in, is, is a guard. So, you know, Matt Luke is a guy with a lot of experience who's done a great job at Old Miss developing offensive linemen, played offensive line himself, kind of the Old Miss version of Kirby Smart, played there at Old Miss. Um, but time's ticking. Time's ticking. The good news is, is you know that this offensive line, with all the talent, they're practicing against some really good guys every day. You know, Nolan Smith's wearing them out. Adam Anderson is is working against these guys in practice. Trayvon Walker. So these tackles are going up against some pretty elite talent every day. Um, I got a call. I got a question from Randy Hall. Which Georgia assistants do you project we will lose after this year? Well, Randy, this is kind of a good news, bad news area, because if you believe Georgia's going to win a national championship, then there's probably a pretty good chance that Dan Lanning will get a head coaching job. Dan has had opportunities to leave before for head coaching jobs. You know, he's, he's 35 years old. Um, you know, he's, he's a high-energy guy. He's got a tremendous reputation. 
He's very easy to market. I, you know, I listen, I don't need to sit here and be his agent. You guys know how good Dan Lanning is. Um, I would expect, you know, if he left, maybe Glenn Schumann would assume the defensive coordinator role. Uh, or would Dan take Glenn Schumann with him if Will Muschamp got the defensive coordinator role, right? Um, I would imagine some coaches would go with Dan. I don't know which ones. Um, depends on if they had an opportunity to move up wherever he goes. Depends on the job. But the good news is, is when you're winning, your assistant coaches get hired by other places. That's not a bad thing. You see that with Nick Saban. You see it with Clemson. Um, not a bad thing. So, but I would say Lanning. And, and, and honestly, if they win a national title, I'd say probably, you know, maybe Todd Munkin. I, now, the question I had for Munkin would be, would he leave to take an offensive coordinator job in the NFL? Or would it take a head coaching job in college? No, he's been a head coach before uh, at the college ranks. Would he want to do that again? Or does he just want to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Or does he want to stay at Georgia, right? I mean, if Kirby is, is, is you know, and it, it really sounds like Kirby Smart is giving, you know, Todd Munkin the latitude that he needs to do what he needs to do. Like, you can just tell that Kirby has that trust in JT Daniels. I mean, you, you know it. You feel it. You're going to hear it tomorrow. I'm going to tell you, tomorrow there will not be any doubt when Kirby Smart finishes in Birmingham of the trust that he has in JT Daniels, of the belief. Um, you know, he has got 100% confidence in JT and Todd Munkin. You will hear that tomorrow from Kirby, right? Kirby will let you – and Kirby lets us know. Kirby, Kirby, doesn't, Kirby doesn't put on for anybody, all right? Um, he just doesn't. I, you know, I could give you a dozen examples, but – you know, he's just not a guy that says things just to say things. You know, we talk about my number one concern being left tackle for the opener because I think to win a championship, Georgia needs to have JT Daniels healthy at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just not sure if you don't solve the left tackle position, you know, if you're going to be able to keep JT Daniels upright. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little – uh, break right now. Let's take a break right now. I want to get to the second half of the show. I'll get to more of your questions, but right now I want to take this break and uh, I want to recognize our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for you. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. We stand together for worse and for better We'll always have your back Open arms, heart to heart, hand in hand Community strong Welcome back to the second half of the show. You're watching the On the Beat show sponsored by Ingles and appreciate Ingles' support. And, you know, we're getting diving deep into Georgia football, talking about all the things that are happening here at the SEC Media Days here at Hoover, Alabama, at the Winfrey Hotel. It's kind of attached to a mall. Uh, decided I'd go for a walk last night. Unbeknownst to me, they, they lower the gate. I got locked into the mall. So that was not fun. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff that happens, right, on these road trips. Getting back to, to talking to a lot of fun stuff there, a lot of fun. Um, let's talk more about Georgia. I mentioned my number one concern be in the left tackle position. My number two concern for Georgia, it is the secondary. And, and it's it's that it's green. It's not that you don't have the talent because you do. You have Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith. I mean, Kirby Smart did an, just an incredible job. He did better than anybody at using the portal for the needs. Now, the fact that Georgia had such a need, that's a little scary, but you lost six DBs, right? You know, Mark Webb and Richard LeCount, DJ Daniel, um, First round pick Eric Stokes, first pick of the second round Tyson Campbell, Tyreek Stevenson transfers to Miami. So you had a lot of attrition there. Um, it's going to take time, I think. Right? I like Jalen Kimber a lot, by the way. I think I, I think Kimber is is CB one. I think he's the best corner right now. I think that. I think Darian Kendrick probably starts opposite of him. I want to keep my eye on Amir Speed. Amir is a guy that I think had a really strong off season. And I think you're going to, you know, Georgia typically rotates three corners. So I kind of consider Amir, Darian and, and Kimber, the three starters. Okay. 
Uh, will we see Keely Ringo in there? Yes, we will. Keely is another guy that you know last year he had that torn labrum. And, and but he was still in the meeting rooms. He's front, but he's, you got to get the reps. You got to play it. But everything I'm hearing is Keely Ringo is a guy that's coming along really nicely. Uh, you know, it's going to take Nyland Green a minute. I, I don't know who did this list, what recruiting site, number one impact freshman. That's not fair. He's not going to be an impact freshman the first half of the year. Not fair to Nyland Green to do that. That's it's bad information. Give him time. He will be a great player. But George's system, I mean, this isn't. This isn't tiddlywinks. I mean, Kirby plays NFL stuff here, and it takes time to learn this defense and to learn your assignments. And being assignment sound is everything. That's one thing that Georgia defense is really – Kirby doesn't get enough credit for it. These guys are drilled so well. They're so assignment sound, and they play this match zone concept, right? It looks a lot like man-to-man, but it's actually called a match zone. And Kirby got technical with me on it one time on a teleconference when I said, Coach, you play a lot of zone. That's not true. We actually play zone, but it's a – it's a match zone, so it's a zone with man-to-man uh, principles. Um, hitting the reload button here on my show. <laughs> Not sure what's going on. I hope the show's going smoothly here. Sometimes we have some technical stuff. Scotty Barnes is asking me about George Pickens. Uh, you know, listen, this is all I can tell you. And, and listen, I understand why Georgia fans want to know, but let me tell you, put that one on ice. Just forget about George Pickens. Just forget about him. You know, George got injured the last week of March. He tore his ACL. You know, this is an injury that typically, I mean, nine or ten months minimum, you know, and even then, you know, there's so much, there's so many dynamics. When you think about sprinting and moving and flexion and body control, think about the dynamics of your body and how much works together. And when you're a kid and you suffer an injury, a debilitating injury like that, and now you have to wonder, is it ready, you know, mentally? It's the hand on the hot stove thing, right? So even if George comes back, which best case scenario would be early November. And when I say best case scenario, I don't even know if that's best. That's early case scenario. Best might be not to come back, right? Because you got to think about this kid's long-term future and George Pickens going in the 2022 NFL draft. So to me, if George Pickens comes back, it's a bonus. But I wouldn't look at it like, when's George going to be back? When's George? That's the worst thing you can do is to put pressure on the kid and to set yourself up because injuries just, they take their own time. You could be the hardest working guy there is. You could have the best doctor on the planet, but some injuries just take time, right? I, I can, I can attest to that. I, I, I cracked a rib this summer, stupid story, water slide, uh, water in the eyes and you know horrible pain all right it just takes time and i read about it. I'm like oh my gosh i cracked a rib and it also said the same thing well they're not going to tape it you're not going to operate it just takes time and it just takes time doesn't matter how much i swim or or, or how much uh, you know ibuprofen i take it's going to take time and and don't pressure george don't pressure yourself um you know look at what georgia has and feel good about that uh let's see here three up uh, I see a comment here. Orgeron stated today that Eric Gilbert's going to be a superstar. Um, sounds like we have a replacement for George at the time being. Well, listen, I talked with Coach Orgeron today, too. Uh, I'll have a story on that. Uh, yeah, he's lost weight. I don't know how much I have been on scale. But I would also say, as talented as Eric Gilbert is, and you know he is, I, I would temper my expectations there. I don't think he. you just plug in for George Pickens. He's not going to plug in and be as good at the X as George Pickens was. He's just not. He's got to learn the offense. And, again, this takes time. This takes reps. Eric Gilbert did not go through spring drills. And, uh, and he's worked hard, and he continues to work hard. But I think the result of the George Pickens injury is going to be a, a, more of a distribution, more of an even distribution. If you're asking me who leads the team in receptions, uh, my guess right now, uh, provided he stays healthy, would be Jermaine Burton. Uh, if not Jermaine, uh, perhaps Kiaris Jackson. Um, you know, these are two guys, you know, that that run great routes, super reliable. I look at the X, I see Eric Gilbert as a possibility or, or as one of the Xs. Uh, I see a Donnie Mitchell is a guy who we saw emerge a little bit in the spring. Uh, I look over there and I, I see uh, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, right? 
Justin Robinson is a guy with big upside. There's a lot of names. Arian Smith, right? Arian missed a lot of spring running track. Another guy that needs to catch up. So much of this offense is predicated on knowing your assignment and being able to adjust. When JT goes to the line of scrimmage and looks at that defense, when the jet pilot has got his hand on all the controls, right? He can adjust the protections, the routes, the plays, all right? The other half of that is can the other guys listen and, and adjust with him? It's like Kirby said, it isn't how far JT Daniels can come. JT's there. It's how much can the supporting cast gather? How quickly can they get up to speed? You know, Aaron Smith had a great track season. It cost him valuable practices, right? He's not going to be as ready as he would be if he was focused on football. Eric Gilbert was not enrolled in spring drills, okay? So he's not going to be as ready as others that went through those very valuable 15 practices. Uh, Darnell Washington is a guy, a breakout guy. How much is he going to get it? All right. Now, some of this is dictated. Dominic Blaylock, great question, John. Glad you asked. You know, Dom didn't go through spring. He's a question mark to me. He's a question mark. He didn't go through spring. He's been out. You know, Dom got hurt last August. You know, we're talking about George Pickens and his clock. I mean, we're talking about 11 months for Dominic Blaylock now. But do you rush him back? I mean, he's already tore it once. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful. I see John Adams uh, talking about Kiers and, and a leg injury. You know, sometimes, and, and I don't know the specifics, so I'll just say this. Sometimes guys... Uh, you know, kind of have ailments and they'll wear walking boots, protective boots that kind of eases the pressure um, on their leg. You know, you kind of manage it. Things can get a little sore from overuse sometimes. And, and again, I don't know the specific details of this. I want to be very clear. But just because a guy's in a walking boot doesn't mean injury and he's out. Again, you know, Jamie Newman, for example, last summer was in a walking boot, right? His, his foot you know, he had a little bit of a stress fracture, I believe, and, and that alleviates the pain. It gives the foot some time to heal. So, um, you know, I can assure you that whatever work, I know this about Kiaris Jackson, whatever work he's allowed to do, he's going to do. Uh, you know, he is a leader. He's a guy that's impressed me. Um, you know, Kiaris had that hamstring early a couple years ago. Uh, last year it was, you know, or a couple years ago, the Vanderbilt game. Remember, he broke the wrist. He landed on it. Um, you know, last year I thought he really stepped up when Stetson was in there. He was Stetson's go-to guy uh, because Stetson really couldn't get it downfield. Uh, and then when JT came in, St you know, Kier's kind of diminished a little bit because JT could go downfield. Um, you know, he was able to get it to Pickens downfield and get it to Burton. And Kier's, his role kind of shrunk. But I'm going to tell you, in the offseason, something special happened. You know, Kier's Jackson just keeps coming up for more. And he was in JT Daniels' back pocket. And, and I really believe that Kiaris is a soldier. Uh, I think he's a go-to guy. I think he's a team leader. I think he's tough. I think he's a guy you can count on. Uh, I like him uh, as a return guy. Um, you know, I just – I can't say enough about a guy like Kiaris Jackson. And, and I guarantee you they wish that every guy worked and was focused. You know, Kiaris is also a member of that student committee with the student government that talks with the – on the board of trustees. I mean, he, he's in those meetings that talks with the athletic board. I mean, Kiaris Jackson is, he, he's a, he, he is, the, he's a complete package when it comes to student athlete. And um, I expect him to have a really good year. Uh, the, the third thing I want to get to this. Um, I want to get to this here on the third concern. So one, I said left tackle uh, two, I said a green secondary. These are two things, by the way, right out of the gate against Clemson. We're going to find out about, right. Um, we're going to find out about left tackle because Clemson's going to bring it. They're going to bring it. They led the nation in sacks. They're going to bring it in Charlotte. Uh, the green secondary, uh, listen, there's talent, but let these guys get kind of settled, get some confidence. These guys are gunfighters, right? They're gunfighters. They got to guns. They got to win some battles. They got to get that confidence. Every now and then you get beat. That's part of playing cornerback. But if you win enough battles and you've got enough experience, you're able to bounce back. So they need a good start. It's going to be important. Number three is the passing continuity. And, and, and this is why it's important that JT Daniels gets a lot of work against UAB. It gets a lot of work against South Carolina. Gets a lot of work against Vanderbilt. And I know that you're anxious to see the next guy. I know that you are. 
And I know that Carson Beck had a great G-Day game and has come a long way. And I know that Brock Vandegrift impressed all of you with what he was asked to do with that monster arm and those red locks of hair as he rolled out of the pocket. These guys are monsters. And you know that Stetson Bennett is a gamer and a guy that Kirby trusts that can run the entire offense, who has great mobility and, and, and is just a guy that you just can't help but root for. So I know that you want to see those quarterbacks get a chance, but not at the expense of your starting quarterback getting better, not at the expense of your offense gelling and your quarterback and your receivers having those game reps and having known they've done it before. Listen, that Cincinnati game, I don't, I don't like to be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm no different than you all. I don't like to be wrong. People ask me who I root for. I root for myself. If I make a prediction, I want to see it come true. I predicted Georgia would beat Cincinnati by four touchdowns. I wanted to be right about that. I was wrong about that. I was so wrong about that. But you know what? It was better in hindsight for Georgia to play that close of a game against Cincinnati. Much, much, much better. If you ask Kirby Smart to write a script for the Cincinnati game, it would be JT Daniels showing everybody that he's clutch and earning his teammates' respect. It'd be having a, a, a fist fight with a team like Cincinnati that wanted to prove they were better than a Notre Dame team that lost 34-10 to and still got in the playoff. How ridiculous was that? Ridiculous. And the fact that JT had to get it done in the clutch. Everything was on JT. Less than two minutes left. Your own 20-yard line. No timeouts. And JT had to execute down the field. Kenny McIntosh made three catches on that drive. You cannot, you cannot manufacture that kind of trust that JT and Kenny Mack built on that drive and the respect that they earned. And every guy in the huddle knows now that when JT Daniels' back is against the wall, he'll deliver because he proved he could do it. With five starters out, JT Daniels was able to get it done against one of the top five defenses in the country. A very good Cincinnati team playing for the best season in history. You talk about a team that had something to play for. If Cincinnati wins that game, they're putting a sign up at Nippert Stadium, that 2021 national champs, right, just like UCF did. And remember, UCF beat Auburn in that same game. When UCF went undefeated, they took down an Auburn team that drilled Georgia in the regular season in 2017. So, you know, the folks that are saying, oh, these teams aren't any good, you know, they're good. They're playing for something. They're playing for a lot. They're playing for their lives. They're playing for legacy. And, and, and that means a lot. And Georgia had five guys out. Remember that offensive line was shuffled. Three guys were playing new positions. Uh, Burton, Jermaine Burton had missed some practices on account of COVID protocol. Lewis Seen as well. Seen was rusty, missed a tackle. Monty Rice didn't play. There was a missed assignment on that Cincinnati run up the middle. The offensive line looked like a mess. Georgia couldn't run the ball. Go back and look at the numbers. What did Georgia have rushing in that game? It was an embarrassing amount. The offensive line was in shambles. JT got hit a lot early. That was a good football game. Georgia had to earn that one, folks. I'll tell you, that game was tougher than the win over at top 10 Baylor team. It really was. And the fact that JT was able to get it done, it's going to take, it's going to take time for Georgia to get the kind of continuity they need in the passing game to be able to beat Alabama. In the, but, but it's a long way off, right? You don't play them in the regular season this year. Long way off. But, but I circle games like Arkansas. I was talking to the Arkansas beat writer today, Tom Murphy. I said, boy, I know those hogs are going to come. He said, if you say so. I said, Tom, I just feel like Sam Pittman is going to get these guys up. You know, I just think that Arkansas is going to show up and, and play, and they're going to have some confidence. I mean, think about this. Last year's team was a top-10 team, finished in the top-10. They trailed Arkansas at halftime. They trailed Tennessee at halftime. Somehow they led Alabama at halftime. I mean, you know, when we talk about college football and parity, how close these teams are, I think it's interesting. I really do. So those those are kind of my questions. Um, 
You know, I was thinking, uh, Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier. I want to bring up Steve Spurrier real quick. Do you know Steve Spurrier was seven-time SEC Coach of the Year, and he won four straight SEC titles? I want to ask you all this. I want to see your comments. As much as Saban's done, does Saban scare teams more now than Spurrier did in the 90s? Or was Spurrier's Gators more dominant in the 90s than Saban's tied? And I know Saban's got the national titles. But I'm just talking about in the SEC. In the SEC, and you're Georgia fans, what, what coach intimidated you more? Steve Spurrier or Nick Saban? I kind of got my opinions on that. Um, Nick Spurrier is a guy that's going to get some recognition soon. I think that's why I bring it up. I think when we talk about legacies and, and Hall of Fames and things like that, I think you're going to see that. Randy Hall brings up James Cook getting a lot of targets. Yeah, he probably. You know, people have asked me what I think the Georgia offense is going to look like. I think it's going to look a lot like it did in the G-Day game with, with, with JT. I, I think that, that teams are going to blitz, and JT's answer is going to be, to drop it off, to drop it in the flats. Take what the defense gives you. What did Jake Fromm say? You can't, you can't go broke taking taking money or something. I don't know. I think JT will be more effective with the banking, certainly in his NILs now. But I think he's going to be a little bit more effective than Jake because of the receiving core and, and the Todd Munkin offense. You know, I, I really think. Yeah, Epic Robinson says Steve Spurrier was more scary than Saban, right? I, I agree. You know, and, and it's interesting because I covered. Uh, as you know, Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee and Michigan State. And so I saw Spurrier from other teams' vantage points, just like I've seen Saban from other teams' vantage points. And and, and Saban is, you know, his teams are so talented. Except, but, boy, when those teams played Spurrier, the problem was you didn't know when he'd stop scoring. And, and you knew this thing could get ugly. You knew if you fell behind Spurrier and those Gators, oh, man, this could get bad. This could get real bad. Saban, you don't really feel that way. I don't know. Maybe Nick doesn't run up as much. He runs the ball a little bit more. Um, and the other thing was Spurrier let you hear about it, right? He had all those jokes. You know, that was part of Spurrier's game was, was the talk. He didn't just talk to be a smart aleck. He talked to try to get into coaches' head and players' heads. I think it worked. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see what Kirby's approach is tomorrow. I'll be very interested to see how confident Kirby comes across. And, and because Kirby, like Spurrier, like Saban, Kirby does everything with a purpose. Everything has been thought through. Everything. And what is the what is the message he wants to send? Is it to challenge his own guys? Guys, we haven't done anything yet, right? Or is it I believe in my guys. We, we, if we execute, we should win. Is he going to be that bold? He, he was that bold a couple years ago, a few years ago. And, and I like that version of Kirby Smart. I like the bold version of Kirby Smart. Now, again, Kirby's not going to fake it. He's got to feel it to say it. But if he feels it doesn't necessarily mean he will say it, if you follow my lead here. Greg Childers says you, you hate that he wears the visor like Spur. I think it's cool. And Spurrier's even said that he likes Kirby Wears the Visor. Listen, every coach has their look and their reason for dressing that way. Kirby's not wearing the visor as a fashion statement. Kirby's wearing the visor because that's what he wants to wear. There's a reason why, right? Maybe, you know, the, maybe the ball cap, you know, he's got too much hair. It affects the headset. But I can tell you, Kirby does things for a reason. And, and I like the visor look. I think Kirby Smart's sideline look is a good look. Now, let me ask you this. Here's another question for you as you're listening, uh, whether it's live tonight or via podcast. Do you like that Kirby has the get back coach holding the belt and holding him back? If you could lose that from Kirby, would you lose it? Or is that a part of Kirby that you like? Right. Uh, I see you guys picking on Kirby's haircut. Uh, it is interesting. But as far as coaches, sideline demeanors and sideline looks, I mean, Kirby's an emotional guy. I love a lot of the pictures. Uh, Curtis Compton, one of the AJC photographers. Uh, Jeff Santel does incredible, incredible photos for Dog Nation. And some of the great pictures we have of Kirby Smart on the sideline and the emotion and, 
And and I think that's fun. That's part of Georgia. That's part of Kirby right now. This is this is what it's like at 45. Uh, William says we need to show some riverboat gambler. I hope you don't have to, right? If you, usually when coaches go to trick plays, it's because the regular stuff isn't working. Otherwise, don't use the trick play. Don't show the trick play unless you need to, because once you show it, other teams can prepare for it. So, uh, you know, I go back to 2018 and Kirby wanted to show his team how much special teams meant. And that's why they run trick plays, because Kirby says, why are we practicing it if we're not going to do it? And I can tell you that Kirby is still uh, all in on special teams. You know, they hired two times special teams coordinator of the year uh, from Louisiana Tech. Robbie, I forget his last name, but he's going to be working with Cochran. Uh, Kirby's all in on special teams. I can tell you that. Uh, I like what HR picking stuff said. I actually ran into Luke Fickle this summer on vacation. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't talk to him. I was with my family. He was with his family. He just kind of gave me a look and nodded like, yep, you're that guy that picked us to lose by 28. We played that 100 times in the locker room. And I nodded back like, yep, you guys are better than I thought. Uh, I agree. I think Luke Fickle, I, I, I was so impressed with Coach Fickle. I was just so impressed with the demeanor, uh, impressed with his coaching, impressed with the program that he's built. I think he's a wonderful coach. I think he's a future championship coach. I hope he gets a good opportunity that he wants. Um, but if Kirby were to leave UGA, that's not my pick. I've, I've got one for you. And, and I, this, this will probably – probably divide dog nation and, and Kirby's not leaving. So I don't even know if we should go there, but you know, I'm hearing unbelievable things about Will Muschamp. I'm just going to tell you, I'm hearing that coach Muschamp is one of the most popular guys in the building. And he's the most humble guy. He's nice to everybody. You know, Will's been around the block a few times. Everybody's going graph, graph. He couldn't win in South Carolina. He didn't win enough in Florida. Sometimes. It just takes another chance. I just said it, okay? I just said it. I like the Georgia tie-in, right? Um, I don't know with, with Dan Lanning, but I don't know. Let's, let's get off that. Kirby's not going anywhere. Kirby's in year six. Kirby's doing a great job. I think Muschamp is going to be a big addition to the staff. I think he's a winning edge. I think it's good that Kirby has another head coach in the room that he respects, that he admires, that's been there, that's done it, that's played these teams. You know, how big of an advantage is it that Muschamp has played Clemson every year. I think it's huge. So you got a former Clemson DB in Darian Kendrick, and you got Will Muschamp that plays him every year. You know, I, I don't know how much more you could really ask for as far as a scouting report. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so some some good things for Georgia right there. Uh, I like what you guys are saying here tonight. I'll tell you, this has been a really fun chat. Uh, again, just kind of coming to you raw. Uh, from my hotel room here in, in Birmingham or Hoover, if you will, I've been coming to these for many years. I can tell you today was it was like a reunion. You know, there, it was it was such a busy day. I ran into so many people in my industry that I hadn't seen for two or three years. And, and I know you all have your jobs and your professions and your networks. And, you know, for the sports writers, you know, we, we don't see each other. Last year, a lot of us stayed home and did everything on Zoom and and, you know, events like this, uh, the media days, it's kind of an unofficial convention, right? Now, I'm not I'm not going out to eat or, or going out to karaoke or doing any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I've got some uh, interviews in the morning. I'll be on WJOX with, with Greg McElroy and Cole Kubelik uh, at, uh, I guess it'll be 740 Central, 840 uh, Eastern, uh, you know, here from the Winfrey Hotel uh, at the mall, at the Galleria Mall. It's a, it's a Hyatt Regency property, I guess, is what it is. Um, don't often stay here, but this time I did just because it's going to be so busy. Uh, so I'll be doing that in the morning. I'll be talking with Kirby Smart. I'll be uh, talking in the main room on behalf of the Football Writers Association. There's going to be an announcement tomorrow morning. Uh, may have to do with Steve Spurrier. Uh, and then uh, I'll be on Feinbaum tomorrow night, 630 Eastern time. Uh, and then I'll be on uh, SEC this morning with Doring and Peter Burns on Wednesday morning at about 730 Eastern. So I've got a lot going on here uh, in the next 36 hours. Uh, a lot of stories to write. I don't know what JT and Jordan Davis and Kirby, uh, who's the media party animal? 
I don't know him because I'm not there. You know, uh, there was a time uh, when I think back to the 1990s, uh, pre-internet, right? Um, and even early internet, because you had a deadline as a newspaper guy, you know, get your story filed by eight o'clock and then, then you're done, right? They put the paper to bed. But really since about 2003, 2004, uh, when the internet became 24 seven and, you know, you just don't stop working. I mean, like, like, look at tonight, here we are, it's nine 13. Um, and, and I'm doing an interview. Uh, I'm doing a, a, a live show. Uh, you know, I was up at eight this morning, right down in the lobby, trying to, you know, look for interviews and, um, you know, the cycle, it's a different news cycle now, not complaining, just saying, this is how it is. So, uh, I don't, I don't invest the time and energy, uh, into going out at night. Um, cause I need to sleep or I can work or I can be on the phone, you know, calling somebody. And that's what I sign up for. You know, listen, if, if you want if you want that kind of job, go, go cover a team nobody cares about. But if you're going to cover Georgia football, um, there's there's always going to be fans to interact with. There's always going to be people to talk to about the Bulldogs. Um, you know, Paul's another guy I can tell you, Joel. Paul Paul's a professional. Paul exercises, and you got to take care of yourself, man. It's a long season. Um, you know, there's a lot on your mind. I, mean, I got a million things going through my mind: story ideas, interviews I did today, things I need to write. Uh, you know, talk to Jacob Hester, talk to Chris During, talk to Peter Burns, talk to Cole Kubelik, talk to Greg McElroy. Uh, Ed Ordron came by, you know, got to say hello to Shane Beamer for, Beamer for a few minutes. Um, impressed with his Sankey speech, really trying to soak in what the commissioner said in his presentation. A lot of the SEC officers, uh, a lot of beat writers got to visit with Chip Towers, you know, AJC partner. We'll be working with Chip tomorrow. Connor's here now. Uh, the Dog Nation team in force, you know, Brandon Adams will be coming. Um, you know, there's so many things that the Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton show, getting feedback on that. How can we make that better for you next Sunday night? What kind of questions do we want to ask those guys? You know, put those questions down. Send me messages. Send me emails. Feedback helps me out tremendously, right? Uh, I really spent some time, really enjoyed today spending time with Buck Blue. And, uh, you know, Buck is just – He's a great guy. Y'all know that. But but Buck really was, you know, I was asking him some questions about Georgia tradition and why are things the way they are? And, and uh, you know, just a great another great ambassador. I really enjoyed talking with Buck today and catching up with him. And and uh, and, and that, like I said, this is this is a learning experience. Uh, I like to think I get a little bit better and, and learn a little bit more every time I come to one of these deals. Um it's invaluable, right? And when I do these shows and I share you, I share my info with you, I don't mind telling you. Um, oh, good morning to you, Tom Harlow from Tokyo, uh, the Olympics, right? Uh, Jack Bowerly, the great Jack Bowerly, Georgia swim coach is there. I believe you got seven Georgia swimmers, something like that. Uh, more swimmers from Georgia on Team USA than any team in the country or any other program in the country. Georgia's got the most swimmers there, so pretty awesome there. Um, yeah, these are good times. This is exciting. I want you all to enjoy this week. Uh, I want you to enjoy the programming. There's going to be a lot of different opinions, information, buyer beware, right? Keep your ear to the ground. Um, you know, keep watching Dog Nation. We'll keep it straight. Um, tomorrow, Brandon Adams comes at you with Dog Nation Daily in the morning. Uh, Connor Riley will have sh his show tomorrow night. Um, and, and we'll, we're just going to have a lot of stuff on dognation.com. I got to tell you, we are. And, and I got, in fact, I got to write it. I got to write it right now. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. If you got any more questions, uh, shoot me an email, MikeGriffith032 at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter. Hopefully you all follow me on Twitter by now at MikeGriffith32. Uh, direct message me. That's a great way. I have struck up a lot of friendships that way. Um, Kirby is going at nine. 15 central maybe it's 905 so that's about 1005 1005 in the morning kirby's going to be in the big room and uh, it's going to be interesting all right i promise you uh, jordan davis and jt daniels they're, they're not coming here to put on a show but they're gonna put on a show right thanks for the compliment green soldier listen everybody i want you to have a great healthy safe week enjoy sec media days and all the sec network programming uh mike griffith here for ingles uh, thanks for joining me Good night.